Hello, this is Chris Lisa of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn, you know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Quinn Malarchek. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Richardson 
uh, when he comes on in a, in a little bit, uh, what he expects from the Vegas Golden Knights uh, regarding how they approach the trade deadline. I, I, I'm of the belief if they get of anyone of ilk, it's not just going to be a player that helps them for the rest of this year, but also helps will help them for at least the next couple of years. So that's kind of how I see uh, George McPhee uh, approaching the playoffs. Um, Again, it is just an amazing year. Uh, I mean, it it just doesn't make any sense for an expansion team, and I know this is not your typical expansion team uh, to be doing this well. So, um, anywho, like I said, not a lot of news. I mean, it'll be curious to see if between now and the trade deadline, if they, uh, if the Golden Knights do get another signing done, be it uh, a James Neal, be it a David Perron, those are two guys to keep an eye out for. Uh, what are the plans are going to be uh, with those players? So um, uh, they're not going to trade them, but uh, does a deal get done uh, with either one of those guys? This is another thing to keep an eye out uh, regarding the Knights. So, um, again, coming out of the break, uh, real good, real good start. I did lose last night, but uh, you'll take two out of three anytime, uh, especially in a three out of four on the road situation, to say the least. So, again, Mark Warner should be joining me. Mark, are you there? Chris, can you hear me? Now I can hear you. So uh, I can you hear me good? The nights. I can hear you. I yeah. can hear you good. I just went through the night and just, just just picking up where they left uh, left off and uh, uh, yeah you know and singing a song uh, you know good three out of four I know they lost last night but you know Calgary Winnipeg Minnesota take two out of three uh, it'll be interesting to see get Lyle Richardson when we have him on his opinion on what he expects from the night deadline but uh, business as usual sir. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I was watching the Calgary game Tuesday night, and there's a commercial break with two minutes left, and it's the kind of game where they're, you know, they're chasing it all night long, and still in the game two to one. So I run the dogs outside real quick, and I come back in, and my wife and daughter are like literally rolling on the floor laughing, and I'm standing there, I'm like, "What are you guys doing?" And I look back up at the TV, and it's four two, and and fifty three seconds, and. and they're just pointing at me and laughing, and and it's, that kind of sums up the the Golden Knight season. Is that if you blink, you're gonna miss it. Um, <clears throat> kudos, you know, it's funny because the play they tied the game on, and I made this point on another podcast this week. Um, it's kind of a fluky luck play, is what I lo- saw a lot of people saying. Uh, the defenseman, uh, I believe, it was Giordano, was inside, right inside the blue line, and threw it back towards his own net. And for whatever reason, either he didn't see it or the defenseman decided not to play the puck um, and let it go through to Mike Smith. Well, Mike Smith makes the left pad saves and and kicks it out. And because they work so hard and because they they play 60-minute hockey every game I've seen him play this year, um, Eric Holla was right there, you know, below the dot in the slot and bangs it into the open net to tie the game up. And you, you could say it's kind of a fluke play, and maybe it is, but if Eric Halla isn't hustling in to get to, get in on the forecheck and continuing to compete, uh, that play doesn't happen. So that's, that's uh, the trademark of this Golden Knights team is, is the work ethic uh, is, is nonstop. 
that's that's why they are where they are. And then Marshall comes in with his speed and skill right off the faceoff 10 seconds later, skates over the blue line, cuts to his right, and roofs one on Mike Smith, who I, I've said before I'm not a fan of. If, if he's a pretty good front-runner goalie, I think I saw the stat when Calgary was 14-0-4 in their last 18 or something like that, and they had only trailed two or three times in that entire streak. But if, if you do fluster him and you do get to him, he is a goaltender that can lose his mind a little bit. And I think that's what happened on that play. He's still thinking about the play that was, and his body language still wasn't back to normal. And then Marshall roofs it. And then Perron with the empty net or 4-2, off we go to Winnipeg. Winnipeg, um, you know, like you were saying, you, you, you keep – you keep looking up in the standings at this club and that Winnipeg game was the biggest game of the week in the national hockey league. If the Knights had won and Tampa had lost, the Knights would have leapfrogged them for number one in the NHL. If the Knights had lost Winnipeg would have jumped up and tied them for number two in the national hockey league or in the West. And depending on what Tampa, Tampa had done, they ended up winning uh, in Nashville, but, um, so there was a lot on the line in that game. And that was, a, you know, when you're a speed skill team, a lot of times the physicality isn't really there, but, uh, they, they pretty much matched Winnipeg, uh, hit for hit and, and, you know, proved something to the, you know, I've seen it already in, in Nashville a little bit and, and a couple other games where it was getting physical, but they stood right there toe to toe with Winnipeg and got out of there with two points as well. So, you know, you travel, you go through customs, you get into Minnesota, and it's 2.30 in the morning. And like you say, uh, they, they, you know, that one got away from them. Uh, you know, if you come to work, and I tell my guys at work this, if you come to work and you only got 60%, 70%, you, know, you had a bad night, you didn't sleep well, whatever the case may be, and you give me 100% of that 60%, then we have no problems. And and I think that's what the Knights did. The effort was there. It's just uh, there was maybe half a step off. A little probably a little bit tired three games in four nights and now they're going on another three game in three and a half days because now they they show up and play washington on the early game tomorrow before the super bowl so it, it's a tough road trip but they get two of the first three uh, they get washington pittsburgh and san jose to finish up i think the two most important games on this road trip are the first one and the last one because you have calgary and san jose both division rivals both four point games so they put that one in the bank and then you know, the Western Canada swing and then DC, Pittsburgh and San Jose. So if you get one of the two against Washington and Pittsburgh and then go back, go back West and, and pick up that game against San Jose, then you know, all systems go with this golden Knights team at that point. I, I think, I think what you said is, is right. I think they're, I was, I was doing a little bit of math and it's certainly not my strong suit. Um, I think if they play 33% hockey, the rest of the way they're on pace for a hundred points. Um, 100 points is a playoff team. And and from there, if you are the one seed in the West, like you said, matching up with Minnesota, who's already beaten them twice this year, that's, that's not really what you're looking at. <laughs> it's not really what you want to see. But um, it, home ice at T-Mobile is 19-3-2 is and two right now. And I'll roll the dice with that in the first round. And, and you know, then we go from there. So not, not a bad week. We'll see if they can wrap it up with two points against Washington on, on Super Bowl Sunday and uh, come back west and, and take care of San Jose. And and the big dreaded road trip that all the local media was, was a little bit worried about is off to a pretty good start, sir. 
Yeah, and uh, now a good segue. Talk about Winnipeg going to around the NHL segment. You know, they took a bit right. of a blow. They lost to Trouba now for six to eight weeks. So you look at that mid to late March before he comes back, and for the Jets' sake, uh, hopefully he comes back and ha- has enough games under his belt before the playoffs start. But, uh, you know, I'll be curious to see. You know, the Jets might have been a team uh, looking to add another blue liner um, uh, before the deadline, with, before Truba got hurt. So that's something to keep in mind uh, as well. You know, as we go into play tonight, uh, they're in first place in the Central. Uh, you got a two-point lead over Nashville, uh, four-point lead over St. Louis. But, uh, you know, I, interesting, I mean, you know, only seven points separates them and the Dallas Stars, who who currently have the number one wild card. So it's not like it's a lock during that top three there. So uh, I'll be curious to see what what the Jets, if the Jets are going to, and if they can get another def- another solid uh, veteran defenseman to go with that young group. Um, you know, the Jets, this, they could be a dangerous team come, uh, come playoff time for sure. I mean, they've had, you know, it's kind of gone under the radar with the year the Knights have having. The Jets have had, uh, you know, a pretty incredible season. Yeah, for sure. And you called it in the – you were really high on, on Winnipeg uh, in our in our central preview. Um, I was, and I was in the show-me-don't-tell-me mode. And they, they've they answered the bell for sure. Um, I mean, the central is the gauntlet. So if you're going through there and you're at 50 games into the season and, and you're in first place in that division, you've I, they've shown me now that – uh, tough team, tough team. Yeah, no doubt. And, and sticking in the central, the uh, the Preds bring back Mike Fisher. I yep. mean, look, this to me. I'm a fan of that. You know, absolutely. It, yeah, no. I mean, do I think Mike Fisher is a great role player? For, yeah, great role player for them. Absolutely. Uh, from a, you know, uh, and, and in a way, it's kind of like a mini. It's like a nice trade for them uh, without giving anything up. Uh, again, you're asking him to be on that third or fourth line come the playoffs. It's going to probably take him, you know, towards the end of the rest of the season to get uh, where he needs to be, but he'll have enough time there. It's a good pickup. Um, uh, do, I, I don't see it as a as a difference maker kind of move, but again, when you're a really good, high-quality team like Nashville, um, you know, adding a guy who can help with the little things and help with a key play here or there, that's what you're looking to do. So, um, and let's face it, a lot of, to me, you know, with the way the NHL is this year, I'm, it is just so many good teams. The parody's off the charts. I only really see two teams that have a lot of pressure on them going into the playoffs. And one is Tampa, one is Nashville. And what I mean by that is if I offered – to either organization and their fan bases, hey, you'll get to the Stanley Cup Finals and you'll you'll play a real strong series, but lose in a long series. Uh, I don't think either one of those organizations or fan bases would sign off on that, and that's kind of the the expect where their expectations levels and hope levels are are at. And uh, so um, you know that's just something to keep in mind. I don't know how that plays out when the playoffs start, but uh, you know, Nashville is a, is a, a team to be reckoned with. Yeah, no question. I like that move for depth at the center. Um, we saw last year in the in the finals where Fisher and Johansson were out, and they just didn't have 
you know, kudos to them for staying sticking around as long as they did, um, and going on to beat the Ducks in the in the conference finals. So, you know, you bring you bring in a, a, a depth guy at center who, which you, is already strengthened with Turris, right? And you, now you got Johansson and Turris, and Fisher's probably been a more of a third line guy for a couple seasons, but playing up on the number two, um, and now he now he can slot in where he's more comfortable, uh, probably where his skill set is right now. And it just gives him that that one more piece down the middle, um, you know. If Johansson takes, or if Turris gets hurt, he can step up into that second second line road, you know, role. And you know that was the only reason, you know, one of the only reasons they got caught in the in the Stanley Cup Finals um, is the center position. So I, I like the move. I like Mike Fisher. Uh, you know, you bring in, you know, captain of the squad so you know you're not going to hurt the room he's already familiar with everybody there's nothing wrong with with that move at all i like that move for nashville hey you know it, it also keeps them they can concentrate on something else at the deadline if if they're looking into something else you know their de- defense is probably top five uh depth at center maybe now you could just add a uh you know maybe maybe if there's a 20 goal depth third line winger to, to go along with it, that roster is going to be set for the playoffs. Yeah, the one thing I will say, you mentioned a good point about the depth, the loss of center going the picks the Penguin series. Good point to bring up from this standpoint, especially this year's playoffs. You know, injuries could really be a factor in who wins these series. You lose somebody. Absolutely. Uh, you know, but uh, on the same vein, you know, Nashville was the recipient. Let's not forget when they, the series against Anaheim, that's on Bernier. Yeah, yeah, two two. Yeah, no question. Game five in Anaheim, no score after one, and and then Anaheim loses their starting goalie. I mean, look, no one's gonna feel sorry for you, but it is it is amazing. So the more depth one has, the better, and and that go that falls under that category. Two more quick hits. We're gonna have uh, Lyle Richardson of Spectres Hockey on. Uh, you can follow him at Spectres Hockey on Twitter. His uh, website is SpectresHockey.net. Okay, one, one more for the Central. Colorado took a bit of a blow off Nathan McKinnon for the next two to four yeah. weeks. Obviously, they're hoping it's more of the two than the four. You know, they're right in that mix uh, for the playoffs, both from a wild card standpoint, only five points behind St. Louis, but you got Dallas in there. Minnesota just leapfrogged them yesterday. You got the Kings and the Flames all battling it out and with Anaheim and the Sharks, both for – um, you know, the second and third spot in the Pacific as well as the wild card. So it's just really zany what's going on. They're playing out of their minds right now. But losing McKinnon definitely is, uh, who's had it quietly, a, a terrific season. Uh, uh, that, that, that is a blow. So hopefully for them it will be of the two-week variety versus the four. Yeah, I don't I, – I, I was looking at that and – it's tough to see how they get past. If he if he's out four weeks, eh, that doesn't that doesn't look good for Colorado. It's tough to see how they can get past losing him. Um, Sixty one points in forty nine games really came to life after the uh, Duchesne deal. Been on a bit of a tear, and and that's that's a blow to the club who's really rebounded nicely from a horrible season last year. And we were pounding away on Sackick here, 
for letting that thing drag on, drag on, drag on. And when you look at the package that he got and how it's, how it's turning out in auto, although they are up to nothing this morning. Um, and, and where Nashville is with Taurus, um, you gotta say, I, you know, not too bad from, uh, Mr. Sackick holding out and getting the haul that he got for that. But you, we're on the depth thing again. And when you lose, you know, you take the depth out of it and then McKinnon, who's been carrying the load for that team. I feel, I feel bad for that club because there's a lot of young guys on that team and they're putting together a real nice bounce back season. And if he's, if it's uh, the four week variety, you know, you're going to be into March before. And then, like you said, the other teams in, in the central are, are, racking points up right now and it's going to be tough for them to maintain uh they just out of the playoffs now and it's unfortunate for that squad because they were having a nice season i'm not sure they can get past that yeah i mean the difference between making the playoffs and missing it miss just missing it could be literally one point both in the 100 percent. and then we got joe thornton out for the next few weeks it's kind of undetermined with his knee situation, I tell you, this is how I feel about the Sharks, Mark, and you know the Sharks well. If the Sharks can get into the playoffs, I think they're very dangerous. I think they can uh, go on a long run. Uh, we're going to try to have Zach Devine on over the next week or two. Uh, I, 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 if they if they can have if they can get into the playoffs, have Thornton ready to go, and add a piece, i.e., an Evander Kane or a Patrick Maroon. I'm telling you, with their with their defense, their veteran leadership, uh, guys like Joe Pavelski, um, uh, Martin Jones, and Ned, we we saw they, we know what they're capable of. We saw it a couple of years ago. I think they're a very dangerous team, either as if they wind up as a wild card or two or three in the in the division. I could foresee them going on a run. Now, having said that, they kind of make the playoffs first because. It is, uh, you know, tenuous at best for for almost all these teams in out west. Yeah, kind of a weird play. He uh, takes an MCL injury, according to reports. Uh, with Mikhail Boddicker falling on his leg and and falling to the ice, kind of awkwardly um, in the last seconds of of a overtime game. So uh, unfortunate for Thornton, who's always you know, good guy in the NHL, and it, it's it's tough. It's tough. Um, had a nice win last night. The Sharks had a nice win last night. Yeah, they did. Um, a minimum of two weeks, likely several weeks for for Thornton, and that puts them, I think, in the same cat category as as Colorado, where he's a big piece of that room, and he's a big piece on the ice as well. Production. A little bit off. Oh yeah. Considering his age and everything, I think he's. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Up there for the team. Any more scoring? I I I gotta think that uh, Doug Wilson's gotta be working the phones. You know. Yeah. uh, You gotta replace that. Well, they needed they needed somebody before his injury. So yeah. um, So. So I got to think that either Evander Kane or Patrick Maroon or who knows, maybe a, a Zuccarello I think, or the Rangers or, Grab, or Grabner or Nash uh, who all could be 
out you know, there Nash, as well. Nash is interesting. Nash would be a nice piece on that. Um, Nash is, a, you know, his foot speed's not what it once was, and and San Jose, they have they have speed on on certain lines, but they're not what you know you would consider a fast team like the Dallas, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, Vegas, uh, that kind of speed team. Um, Nash might be a Nash might be a target for San Jose, and then you, Patrick Maroon also. I think you mentioned. Um, yep. I think that that would be two two pieces that would would really help fill that void if Thornton's out for for the several weeks as as is being reported. So um, that's a good call by you. I wasn't thinking about Nash at that point, but there are fielding calls for Nash. Um, we'll talk a little bit with Lyle about where he thinks that might end up, but. Uh, with Thornton out, that's a that's a that's a good piece right there. That's a good call, Chris. I like that move. And you you know my feelings on Kane. I don't I don't think he's a good fit anywhere. <laughs> but um, yeah, but, but you I, know what? I, I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. But I would say this: if I was if I felt good about my room, uh, I think you know Kane's got the carrot in front of him because he's going to be a free agent on July one. Uh, I think as a rental. Uh, I would be, you know, for the right situation, I, I wouldn't be against uh, adding Kane uh, to the team. If I'm a San Jose, if you will, the team really looking for scoring, as long as the price is not, you know, out of control from what you've read. It seems like right now, uh, you know, the deadline is three weeks from Monday, this coming Monday. You know, it wouldn't shock me if the te- teams that are selling are like, well, if you want me to move my guy now, i.e. Evander Kane, Mike Green, guys like that. Uh, I, I want, you know, X, and X is way out of bounds. And it might take 10 days, uh, two weeks to 10, 10 days to two weeks for them to really get where, where the deal should be. The only thing is, if you play that game, and, and quite honestly, no one, you, you really know in your heart of hearts, you know, like if, you're, if your price for Evander Kane is a first-round pick of a top prospect, and you really know that the market value for him is a second-round pick and a really good prospect. And you're going to see if someone's going to bite, even though that no one, you know that no one's going to bite. Uh, what happens if Evander King gets hurt over the next two weeks when you're really ready to talk turkey? So what did you really accomplish? Uh, I, that would be my question uh, for those teams out there. I get trying to play all these teams against one another, but at the end of the day, if, you, if you're asking for a dollar fifty on the dollar, no one's going to do that for the Evander King, you know, based on what we feel is going to be available at this deadline. There's, you know, no one's trading, uh, you know, you know Wayne Gretzky back in the day or, you know, something along those lines. Uh, uh, these are good players. They're, they're, not great, they're not great players. So, um, but the right situation, I could see, uh, I, I could see Keane moving, and he would definitely help them with the uh, – Offensive offensive production. I'd rather go if I was them the Nash Maroon round personally, but yeah. uh, I could see I, uh, you know, I, I could see. But it seems like there is a pretty a pretty good market for Kane though. Yeah, if, I mean, if you have a Coach Belichick style locker room um, that polices itself, and like you said, uh, if you have a strong room and and if you have a Coach Belichick where where everybody's cl- crystal clear on where they stand and, and what their roles are, then yeah, I think Kane can bring you a little bit of an offensive boost and a little bit of speed. That being said, if, if, 
if you're a young team, maybe, or, and that maybe that's why San Jose might be a good fit for Kane is because it is a veteran laden roster that can, that can, uh, that can take. And yeah, and you know what? I've been down on him to his credit. Um, he hasn't been in trouble in, in, you know, 18 months or so. And, you know, maybe, maybe the light went on for him in Buffalo and he's ready to move on from that. And, and the fresh start out of Buffalo will, you know, maybe put some of that to bed. Um, I, 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 you know, I'll give him, I'll give him credit because since he, since he left Winnipeg, you, you, you know, it's really hasn't had the same kinds of troubles that he had, um, before getting to Buffalo. So, you know, maybe, maybe I'm paying the horse of, of the previous player and, he's ready to ready to put all that behind him and matured a little bit and and a team like San Jose with that veteran roster like I said um might be it might be a good landing spot for him that being said like um I don't know I don't know if they have enough to continue hanging on in the say I mean the Knights have a 10 point lead I think over them and I think Anaheim moved into that spot now and then the Kings no, Anaheim's the right. third. Anaheim's in third right so uh, they, 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 with the win last night. Right. They jump Anaheim jumps um Calgary when Calgary lost earlier in and the week. The Kings. So. And the Kings. And the Kings. And, the, and it's only one point. Yeah. No, no separation. No, like I said, it's totally up for grabs. And and quick missing a little bit of time. He's he's gonna be back now. So you know, if the Kings if the Kings put on <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit more speed at the deadline, maybe Maybe uh, another top four defenseman, depending on what Blake is willing to move out of there right now. Um, don't I don't don't count the Kings out. I put them in the same same category as you put the Sharks. Where if, if they get in the playoffs, they're built for the playoffs. And and you look for the Kings to make uh, oh sure a run. At, you know they're that they're that same kind of team where they're playoff hockey born and bred. So if 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 they can make up a couple points and go on a little bit of a run, add a nice piece at the deadline, um, you know, Los Angeles is is a tough out. Nobody wants to play them in the first or second round either. Yeah, no, I agree. I think L.A. and San Jose, I would be nervous about playing them in uh, in, in the first round. I mean, I think they like they they can get things going. So, um, you know, those are two teams. If I was Vegas, I would not want to see. Uh, as a wild card uh, uh, kind of situation. So, um, but again, it, it, no matter. I mean, right now the two wild cards are Minnesota and Dallas, and they present a whole host of challenges as well. So it's going to be, you know, it, it's going to be whoever wins the Pacific and whoever wins the Central. It's not like, well, you know, one plays eight, two plays seven. Right. It's not like going to be you know, <laughs> a layup series. It's going to be a very hard series. And it's probably gonna it's gonna go at you know six or seven games, and you're gonna have to play really well to advance. And if you don't, you're not advancing. I mean that's that's what it comes down to. Yeah, for sure. It reminds me of a few years back when uh, St. Louis was playing great, Nashville was playing great, uh, but then they got to play Chicago in the first round, and or then after, after if if that doesn't, then you have to play the Kings in the first round. And St. Louis was was really snake bit with the playoff draws in the last few years, um, eh, 2012 to 2015, 16 or so, where they either played Chicago or L.A. in the first round three years in a row, and then 
Minnesota the same thing when they were when they would get in. So we're looking at that same type of scenario now. Um, we got Lyle Richardson from Specters Hockey on the line right now, and we're going to dive into some more of these trade deadlines. Lyle, thank you for joining the show on this Saturday. Welcome back, sir. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me back, guys. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to throw this to Chris and let him get started. He's he's all over the trade deadline here, and I and I know he's he's chomping at the bit to get your insight on some of the rumors <laughs> and deals that that we're we're starting to see out there right now as we're closer to the deadline than the last time we took. Hey, Lyle, great to have you back. So the two two big names you've heard about for uh, some time are. Uh, it seemed like a sure thing to get dealt by uh, three, by the 26th deadline is Evander Kane and Mike Green. Who who are you hearing are the top contenders for for each one of those guys? Uh well, I mean, obviously uh, with Kane, uh, the guy that uh, you know has has the 30 goal potential. I mean, there's there's a lot of interest in him, and uh, of course uh, the Sabers are, are setting a very high price, as as we've all probably heard. They're they're looking for as many as four assets uh, cool. in return for him. They're not going to get four assets, obviously, but it does. You know, you can't blame them for asking. Um, sure. But uh, you know the the teams that you hear most frequently, obviously they're the, they're the contenders that are that are in the market for some additional scoring punch, and so obviously uh, right off the bat, I mean uh, you you think of a team like the San Jose Sharks right now, um, you look at a club like St. Louis, they could they could use some help on the left side, and uh, we've also heard him uh, mentioned as perhaps uh, maybe an option with the Anaheim Ducks or or perhaps even with the Pittsburgh Penguins, though. When it comes to the Penguins, I think they're they're looking more. They're still looking more for for that elusive uh, third line center uh, more than they are a uh, another scoring left wing. But uh, you know you you can't rule that out. So uh, those those are the the main four or or five I would say that uh, would probably have the most interest in um, in Evander Kane. Um, and as far as Mike Green goes, um, you know. You've heard him mentioned, uh, perhaps linked to his former team, the Washington Capitals. Uh, you know that they could perhaps use uh, his experience again on on their blue line. Um, you know, Toronto they've been linked to as well because uh, they they could use uh, an experienced uh, top four guy who's who's a right-handed shot. Um, another one that comes up, perhaps uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, they're another team, perhaps that uh, might might benefit from his experience. So, uh, you know, those, those are the main ones that come in that uh, come in for for Green and and for Kane uh, right now. Uh, the market uh, could change though, and the 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 the, the bidders, uh, the market for them, the number of teams interested could also increase over the next couple of weeks. I think uh, injuries are going to have a lot to to do with that, and uh, you know how teams are. are making out in the standings uh, as we get close to February 26. Now that's interesting. We were talking earlier. I wanted to follow up on that real quick, Chris. We were talking just a minute ago about uh, Kane to the Sharks and and then you mentioned the the injury bug. Now, do you see Joe Thornton's knee injury and also McKinnon's injury, um, you know, kind of giving them a little push to a little urgency to, to make that kind of a deal for an Evander Kane? Well, when it comes to the it's kind of interesting because, I mean, once uh, when Thornton's uh, knee injury was announced and he was going to be out indefinitely, I mean, the automatic assumption is, well, that, that's going to that's gonna push Doug Wilson more into the, into the trade market now. He's not going to have any choice. He's going to have to get in there. But, you know, 
it was very interesting. Once uh, Wilson made that announcement, it was about a week and a half ago, uh, right. that uh, Thornton was going to be gone for a while, he very quickly followed up and said, look, we're just going to look to within for now. And we're going to look and see if we can have some of our younger guys step up. And, and I, think that's, I think that that's going to stay that way for the time being. Now, again, of course, things can change because they're in pretty tight right now uh, in, the, uh, in, the, you know, in the Western Conference. They're battling for a playoff spot. They recently snapped a four-game losing skid. Um, you know, so they're not a certainty to, uh, to make the playoffs. Um, you know, they still uh, they could still benefit obviously from having uh, their their uh, their offense boosted if they can. But you're not going to find a center obviously of the caliber of a guy like Joe Thornton. I mean, they were initially before Thornton's injury, the talk was that they were looking for a fourth line center. Well, those guys are you know not obviously easier to find than a, yeah, sure. a puck by Yoi. Uh, yeah, then a playmaker, uh, especially one of the caliber of, of Thornton. Um, so uh, they could go looking for a winger. They, uh, you know, they could keep an eye on a guy like Kane uh, as they get close to the deadline, and especially if you know the younger guys, like, let's say guys like Hurdle and, and LeBanc and uh, and uh, you know a guy like Timo Meyer, if they can't uh, pick up their their play over the next couple of weeks maybe that might uh, provide a little extra motivation. I think a lot of it's going to depend, obviously, for the Sharks on how they're playing over the next three weeks and what Thornton's status is going to be. I mean, if they're expecting back, let's say, within a week or ten days of the deadline, well, maybe you just wait that out. If you're still hanging on to that playoff berth or you're right there, um, you know, maybe only a point or two out of contention, well, then, yeah, you, you might be better off waiting. And I, I'm sure that some Sharks fans would go, why would you wait? I mean, come on, you got a chance to, to get a score to get you into the playoffs. But here's the thing, you're going to have a lot of cap space uh, next season, especially when Thornton's salary comes off the books. And there's talk that they would like to keep that cap space available in case John Tavares hits the free agent market next year, in which case then they can afford to competitively bid for him. That's if Thornton's going to be gone and if they can't find any other suitable replacement. So I think Tavares would be a suitable replacement if he became available. So I think that's why Wilson's kind of keeping his options open here. He's thinking both, you know, you don't want to give up young assets right now to bring in a guy who's going to be a rental player if you can avoid it. And you also got to think long-term here as well by the same token you know, you want to make sure you – now, I know Kane's going to be an unrestricted free agent, but if you're going to acquire him and you're going to give up a decent asset or two to get him, it only makes sense if you can afford to re-sign him, right? And they, I really don't think he wants to, to tie up that kind of cap space right now, investing in the guy, well, now you have to re-sign him or else you've traded him away or you've traded for him and you've traded away assets to get him and now you've got to invest money because if you don't, he'll walk away. It's just – yeah, I, I don't think that's something he really envisions wanting to do. One thing I would say, though, which hasn't come up very often, um, I could see Wilson looking at bringing in a guy who has term on his contract. You know, that I could see if he thinks Tavares either won't be available next summer or this coming summer, or if he thinks, nah, that's a bridge too far. Maybe, you know, it'll cost way too much. But if I could get a hold of a guy, you know, a decent uh, center or a decent scorer 
who has term left on his contract that might be worth parting with the assets to get him and would also be worth the investment of the cap space. Do you see what I mean? Absolutely. Oh, you're breaking up again, Mark. So, Lyle, uh, you're breaking up again, Mark. Uh, So, Lyle, being out here in New York, uh, Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of talk about the Rangers. And if they, you know, they've been in a tough stretch and they uh, had a tough game against the Leafs the other night after a tough West Coast road trip. And a lot of people out here has been written about the Leafs that they're, unless they have a real quick turnaround over the next couple of weeks, that they are going to sell. And mm-hmm. both Rick Nash and Michael Grabner are unrestricted free agents that they would be moved. And interesting, based on what you just said about the Sharks, uh, they are going. They would also listen very intently on both their captain Ryan McDonough and mm-hmm. and Matt Zuccarello, who are only signed through next year. And the reason being is, uh, it sounds like that they could be moving on from them after next season, and they probably feel they can get the best bang for their buck in terms of future assets or assets back now, where a team can have them for two playoff seasons. And you mentioned before about the Sharks. I mean, Zuccarello, in this day and age, is a very friendly cap number of $4.5 million. I don't know if that would kind of fall into that Sharks. Uh, you know, again, they're not looking – they're not going to trade them for trade's sake, but uh, mm-hmm. whereas Nash and Grabner, I guess, they would move for the best deal that they can get and get some good assets uh, with picks and prospects. But if someone stepped up and gave them what is a you know fair market value for McDonough and Zuccarello, uh, they, they might be ready to pull the trigger. What are you hearing about with the Rangers? Yeah, that that's pretty much been the, the dominant news coming out of uh, New York regarding the Rangers. That yeah, I don't think it's a surprise that we hear that uh, they'd be looking to sell Nash and Grabner, obviously, because they're pending unrestricted free agents and and they're looking to to perhaps move on. Um, you know, with McDonough and Zuccarello. You know, I can I can understand why they they would uh, entertain offers for these guys. I'm not I, I'm not convinced that that they would be able to move them at the trade deadline for the type of return that they would want at this time of year. I'm not saying they don't have any value because they most certainly do, but you know I I think with I understand that uh, some of the logic behind this as well. Teams would be interested because then they could have a guy like McDonough uh, for two playoff runs for this season and then yep. next season, and then if he hits the free agent market, yeah, um, you know, well, so be it. At least we got two playoff runs out of him. But you know, you're also talking about moving assets here as well. And as you said, I mean, the Rangers aren't just aren't going to give McDonough away. You know, I mean, yeah, he may be, you know, having some struggles this season or what have you, uh, but they're still going to, you know, he's still highly thought of uh, as an all-around defenseman, he's, and he's 29. It's not like he's 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 way past his prime here. Uh, right. So yeah, so they're going to want to get some decent assets back, and you know, when when you hear, uh, you know, when you see some of the, the stuff that comes out of the New York Post from guys like Larry Brooks and uh, Brett Sergalis suggesting that, well, maybe they could offer him to the Leafs and maybe they could pry a young forward like William Nylander away from him. Uh, well, I don't see the Leafs doing that, but that's the Leafs, okay? Right. <laughs> you know, when you, when, you, when you say McDonough for Nylander, no, the Leafs aren't doing that. But maybe another team might be willing to consider giving up a young forward, 
um, or a younger defenseman, maybe for a more experienced guy like McDonough. So, you know, yeah, that, that's the sort of thing I think they're looking for. I don't think they're looking for picks and prospects when it comes to a guy like McDonough. They, they'll certainly take picks and prospects for Nash and Grabner because that's basically the going rate for guys who are unrestricted free agents. It's very rare you're going to get a, a good young player who can step in and help you right away in a deadline deal. Sometimes it happens, usually it doesn't. But with guys like McDonough who still have a year or two left on their contract, yeah, you, you want that to be a hockey trade. And that's the sort of thing that, they're, that the Rangers are looking at. With him, it's a hockey trade. They want a good young player back. So uh, that's a kind of trade I think perhaps is, is more likely to happen in the offseason when you have more teams that are flush with cap space and willing to, to entertain that kind of deal, especially if they had a disappointing end of their season, be it either they didn't make the playoffs or they were a team that was expected to go deep in the playoffs and fell short. Those type of teams, they would probably circle around to McDonough more likely in the offseason and probably would be more keen to make a move for him than they would, say, at the trade deadline. Yeah, I could see that because uh, from this standpoint, I mean, let's say the McDonough deal is uh, a first-round pick from somebody, one of their top prospects, and and it's a three-piece deal. Uh, the, the problem is those are pieces two and three. The prime piece is they're going to want a, a really good young player from that uh, from that perspective trade partner who's having a, a good season on their team now, and what teams mm-hmm. want to do is they want to add a Zuccarello or they want to add a McDonough without just taking any uh, any kind of key cog off their current team. And I, mm-hmm. you know, it would have to be a pretty special futures trade, i.e. picks and prospects, or it would have to be a prospect that the Rangers just love to death that they feel mm-hmm. they can put in the NHL right now for whatever reason the other team isn't. And it's mm-hmm. hard for me to see that scenario happening. Now, the only thing is I will say from the converse of that and get your opinion on this is if they wait to the offseason, now those two players only have one year left. And mm-hmm. if you're a team uh, out there and you're like, well, like Winnipeg, I'd love to get Ryan McDonough. We feel like we're one piece away. The Rangers won X, but he's only signed for one more year. He's a kid from Minnesota. Would he sign here? You know what I mean? Like, are they going to be prepared to do that when they're only getting him for one season? So that's going to hurt their value. And in the offseason, it will be a different set of problems, I think, in terms of trading their value. So I don't know how the Rangers, you know, when they when they think about all that, uh, will they will how big of how big will they look at the big picture? in terms of looking for value for both McDonough and Zuccarello. Well, to your point regarding, uh, well, they'd only need that uh, teams that would be interested in acquiring him would only have him for one season. Remember, th- if, they acquire, if they acquire McDonough or Zuccarello, um, you know, this summer, now they have their, remember, now they have their rights for a year, which means they can now talk contract extension with them yep. starting on July 1st. So it may not necessarily be one year. It could turn around being they make the trade, say, uh, at you know at, at um, you know say June twenty seventh during the draft, and four days yep. later, bang, they've resigned him. <laughs> you know, right. so yeah. Um, but for the Rangers, it's like I said, I I, I think they if they're going to move, a, especially a guy like McDonough, I think that, as I said, I think they want 
a return that helps now and in the future. And I think that means three pieces I don't think you're going to get from McDonough, but I could certainly see getting um, a good young player who can jump in right now, who can help them now and in the future, and perhaps, a, you know, uh, a first round or second round or a high second round pick or um, a, a good young prospect who can also jump into the lineup in a year or two, you know, that sort of thing I, I can see. I could certainly see because let's let's be honest. Let's look at it. Um, when I made the analogy about, uh, you know, the lease and, and Nylander from McDonough, if you're, you know, if you were Rangers GM, would you do that trade? In a heartbeat. Yeah. So there you go. You wouldn't be looking for, oh, but we also want your first-round pick, Toronto. Oh, we also want uh, Kasperi Kapanen as part of the deal as well. No, if you were offered uh, William Nylander for Ryan McDonough straight up, you'd do it. So, yeah, I, I think that's the type of, of player that they are hoping to get. Um, now, again, obviously, as I mentioned, the Leafs, the Leafs aren't giving up William Nylander. Well, I certainly don't see that happening. Most people don't. Uh, wouldn't be the first time we've seen an NHL GM surprise us by making a, you know a, a deal that we never thought would happen. But I right. think that you know, that's along the line that you're looking at. You're looking at a guy, a young guy, who can come in and help right now and in the future if you're the Rangers. And real quick before I pass you over to Mark, the reason, and I'm a big Ryan McDonough fan, uh, mm-hmm. other than the fact he plays for the Rangers, but uh, he is 29 <laughs> and Neilander is, I believe, what, 21. And keep this in mind about the Rangers. They they played, you know, at one point when they got to the cup finals, um, they were the envy of the league with, you know, mm-hmm. Girardi and, and Stoll yep. and, uh, and, and, and McDonough. Uh, and, but they played those guys so much. And they mm-hmm. saw the wheels come off uh, based on wear and tear and age with, with Stoll and Girardi. So a year from yep. now, when Ryan McDonough is 30, I think they mm-hmm. would be very leery. Uh, now, maybe he's the exception and not the rule. Uh, I think that's part of this, too, of giving him a seven-, eight-year deal, buying him into his 30s. And that's yep. why I would jump all over a 21-year-old. Uh, Nylander, if I was them, and why I think they would as well. But uh, it sounds like we got Mark back. Mark, uh, I, I know you have a question with, uh, for Lyle on on, the, on what the Knights going to do, so you, you jump in. Yeah, for sure. Um, real quick before we get to that, you got in the West. You've got like six teams within three points of each other, either in the wild card position or bubble teams just outside. Uh, and that that I mean that includes Chicago and the Kings and Minnesota and Dallas and even Anaheim in the third spot in the Pacific. And then when you get out east, it's pretty much just as tight. When you look at, I mean, Chris's Islanders at 55, Rangers at 55, Carolina at 56, Philly at 56. Uh, last I checked, having a rough go of it today and continuing a little downward streak since the All-Star break. And, and Columbus now dropping out of the third third spot down to 58 points. Um which of those bubble-type teams right now are burning up the phones, uh, really looking to get aggressive, and and which teams maybe are in that same group uh, are just looking to sell at this point in the season? 
Well, looking in the East, I, I think out of those uh, those four or five teams there that you mentioned, um, I think Columbus. I think that they're very very busy um, looking for help right now. They need scoring punch in the worst way. They are last I checked, I think twenty fifth, twenty fourth or twenty fifth uh, in 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 scoring this season. Um, it, you know, the last few weeks it's been Bobrovsky, Sergei Bobrovsky, their goaltender, who's been keeping them in this. So I, I sure. think you're going to see Yarmo Kekalein and their GM. I think he's going to be very active if he isn't already. Um, I also think keep an eye on. Obviously, we talked about the Rangers at length, and, and they're going to be. I think if if they do make moves, uh, they'll probably be more of the selling selling than than buying unless they go on a heck of a run in the next two weeks, maybe to change their mind. But the other club there in, in that group, I, I see the Islanders. Um, you know, I think they're in the market for a goaltender. I also think they're uh, looking for uh, an experienced top four defenseman. And, and maybe, like, that could be a destination Mike for Mike Green as well. Yeah, yeah, because we had talked about him earlier. Perhaps uh, Green would be willing to waive his no-trade clause to go uh, to the Islanders. A uh, chance to play with John Tavares for a brief period of time. So, uh you know, I, I think those two clubs, Columbus and the Islanders, I think those are, are two that are going to be, in terms of buyers, we've got to keep an eye on. The Flyers, I think Hextall wants to stand pat as much as he can. He doesn't want to give up any young assets. Um, you know, that being said, would he give up, say, maybe a third-round pick to get it to bring in somebody that could help his team? Sure. But uh, other than that, I think he'd be willing to stand pat. And with the Hurricanes, Ron Francis... Ah, you know, <laughs> you know that he wants to deal, but he doesn't want to sell the farm either. So it could go either way with him. Um, looking to the West, um, I, you know, you look at Minnesota sitting there just on the edge, and you think, well, maybe they might want to get into to the buying mode. But, you know, Chuck Fletcher, he gave up a lot last year to get Martin Hounsel, uh from Arizona, and that turned out to be um, a big bust. Yeah, so he could be kind of gun-shy this time about jumping in there into the trade market. Um, Chicago could, but honestly, I don't think there's a season-saving deal for them. To be honest, no. I think they're, they're be their best bet now, stay the course. Maybe if you have an opportunity to shed one of your high-salary guys, uh, fine, but <laughs> good luck with that at this time of year. Um, yeah. I think Calgary. I think Calgary is going to be in the market for a winger. Um, I could see the Kings keeping an eye on things right now, but you know, I honestly, I think they're they're looking to see. They're going to have Jeff Carter back soon, and I really think that they want to keep an eye on that. Um, with Colorado, uh, I think it's just going to depend on how they play in the next couple of weeks while they while Nathan McKinnon's on the sidelines. You know, I, I really think they're going to uh, just kind of keep an eye on things, see how the team reacts without their their best guy. I mean, hey, you know they got a you know they they nipped uh, Edmonton the other night, so that's a positive sign. But uh, we'll see how they do going forward. But uh, you know, if McKinnon's only going to be gone a couple of weeks, say uh, maybe maybe Sackick is is willing to stay pat on that as well. Uh, if he does decide maybe to go into the market, uh, he could have an asset in in Tyson Berry. Uh, defenseman, perhaps they could uh, dangle him. They they were, they played great while he was on the sidelines, so maybe they could use Tyson Berry as trade bait if they feel the need to to make a move to stay in contention. Maybe they use him. Now, let's real go quick, back guys, to the, before I, I jump, real quick before I jump uh, back to Morgan, I just want to make a quick point about the Islanders. And if mm -hmm. I was a selling uh, team, selling that is my first call. And I'm not just saying this because yeah. I'm a diehard Islander fan. They have two first-round picks in this upcoming draft. 
They have two yep. second-round picks. They have a, a pretty good prospect pipeline. I don't think they would ever think about trading Kiefer Bellows, but you have to ask. They had another mm-hmm. kid who had a great world junior for Team Sweden and Robin Salo, a defenseman, and the Islanders are loaded with young defensemen. You got Ryan mm-hmm. Kulak on the main roster. They they have a lot of assets, and obviously the Islanders really want to make the playoffs and put themselves in the best position to make a run. So I think they're willing to be aggressive, and they have a lot of young players. So I think their depth, well, they'll be willing to roll the dice a bit. Uh, so mm-hmm. I would keep that in mind in terms of, you know, the old expression is it takes two to tango. And like you said before, Lyle, about Chuck Fletcher, he did it last year. Now he's going to be a little gun-shy. Well, I think they, they'd be willing to be aggressive, and, and that's what it takes, I think, for some of these deals to get done. So I just wanted to throw that out there as a point. But uh, go ahead, go ahead, to, Let's go back to what a couple teams Lyle mentioned off the top in that last little segment. Uh, Columbus and the Islanders with Jack Johnson recently asking for a trade. Is, is that a piece that could, you know, fit into the Islanders top four, Chris? And is, is what, what do you think would go the other way that might entice Kekalainen to throw Johnson to New York? Cause I think that might be a good fit uh, for Jack Johnson. I, I can't, I can't see Columbus trading with a team fighting for a spot in the East. I'll leave that to Lyle to answer. I would think that they would want to ship Jack Johnson out west, but that's just me uh, wearing my hockey GM lab coat, uh, if you will. <laughs> what do you think, Lyle? I just can't. It makes no sense to me while – I mean, you know, if they want to trade them a player they absolutely love to death and the Islanders would be overpaying, fine, but I can't see any other scenario why. How, about what, how do you see Jack Johnson playing out, Lyle? Well, you know, to your point, I mean, listen, I I I get what you're saying. I think that uh, perhaps the the Jackets would prefer to move uh to move Johnson out west. But then again, you know, let's th- let's remember a couple years ago, the Ottawa Senators acquired Dion Phaneuf from the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, right. and that was, that was crazy. no nobody saw those two teams dealing, but, especially not the Leafs, but the Leafs were were not making the playoffs. They weren't there weren't two teams contending for the playoffs. Sure. And the Leafs sure. really wanted to get out from under from that cap. <laughs> I, so, I understand. I do. I'm, I'm just throwing that out there just to, just to say that, yeah, it could happen. But here's a, here's the scenario that I was thinking here, too. Uh, Columbus could, if, if, if you know, if, if the Islanders were, were keen to take on somebody, Jack Johnson, um, if they could get – Either the, either the first or that second round pick, or or let's say a young uh, one of those young prospects in the Islanders pipeline. You trade Jack Johnson for one of those picks. You then flip that pick to or that young prospect to another team. Because remember, Columbus, I see, yeah. I see, not as selling but as buying. Now, if you can't move Jack Johnson for a player who can help you now. Why not trade him to a team that could use somebody like Jack Johnson, get a pick or a prospect, and then maybe flip him to a team that's selling, okay, to get yourself a player that can help you now. That's a possible scenario in there. Again, that's me putting on my GM lab coat. So, you know. No, that, 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 that makes sense. Yeah. And the longer it makes the night. Mark, you're breaking up again. Uh. <laughs> Mark, you there? Yeah. Uh, I 
Mark, you're breaking up. We can. It, it oh, that's, like, uh, that's too bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kinda, I, I want to ask you. I, I want to ask you, Lyle, before we let you go. A couple last quick hits. Um, uh, mm-hmm. The Vegas Golden Knights. Obviously, this is called the Vegas Hockey Podcast. How do you see them approaching the deadline? Well, uh, you know, I think uh, I think George McPhee is going to keep an eye on things. Um, you know, I, I I think that uh, if if he sees a need that he feels he needs to address, that I I could certainly see him perhaps dipping his toe in there. I, I've heard Mike Green uh, perhaps you know listed as as perhaps a, a possible destiny that the Vegas could be a possible destination for him. But who, who drafted by Mike the Green? Thing, again? Pardon me. Who drafted Mike Green again? Refresh my. Oh mind. yeah, that would be that would be George McPhee. Uh, back oh, when he was oh, with Washington, okay. yeah. <laughs> and and sure, I can understand the link there. And and hey, maybe Green would be willing to waive his uh, no trade clause to go check out Vegas. Hey, maybe maybe it could be a team he signs with in the off season. Who can say? But here's the thing, you know, I mean. Vegas is in pretty good shape right now. I mean, yeah, you know, sure they've they've kind of uh, you know won five of their last ten, so you know, but you know five three and two, not too bad. But this is still the team that is sitting first overall in the Western Conference. They don't have to make a move if they don't want to. You know, if if McPhee looks at his roster and goes, you know, we're sitting in pretty good shape right now. I don't really have a need to bring anybody in here. You know, I mean, why risk upsetting chemistry? I know you, you can talk about, well, we can bring a tr- make a trade, bolster the roster even further. But sometimes you can make a trade that could potentially throw your team chemistry off a little bit. And I think that if, he, if, if they're still chugging along fine here uh, in two or three weeks' time, you know, McPhee could just look at it and go, you know, why not stand pat? Because he's not selling. I mean, let's get this, you know, I, I've seen James right. Neal's name thrown out there, and David Pratt. He is not trading those guys. They are not being traded. Could they walk as free agents this summer? Of course. But those two guys, Perron and, and, and Neal, are part of the reason why the Golden Knights are playing as well as they are. They're leaders on that team. They've, they're key pieces. He's not, he's not trading them. He's not. Even if it means that they could, he could lose them for nothing this summer, he's not trading them now. I got one last one for you, Lyle, and that is, you know, we've kind of gone through the, the, the kind of usual suspects for this deadline, the Canes, the Greens. We didn't really talk about Patrick Maroon, but, you know, guys, mm-hmm. or Branson, Vanek, we can go through the list. If I told you, Lyle, that between now and February 26th, uh, mm-hmm. there will be one surprise, okay, uh, and um, let's not count Zuccarello or McDonough, but one surprise uh, of a player like, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see such and such trading that guy before the deadline. Uh, and who who would you bet, put your $2 on who that player would be if you have such a guy? Well, I, I, I'm going to throw a name out there that's been in the trade that's been in trade rumors a lot, but it's, it's, a, it's a name that I would be nevertheless very surprised if he was moved at the trade deadline, and that's Max Pacioretty in Montreal Canadiens. And okay. I, I, I'm and I and I'm sure that people will say, well, why? Why would you think that? God, his name's in trade rumors all the time. Blah blah blah. But here's right. the thing. See, see Montreal. Yes, Pacioretty's name is out there, and I have no doubt that the Canadians are getting a lot of calls about him. But here's the thing. If you're going to move Pacioretty, you've got to win that trade. Okay? Montreal is hurting right now. And they need a player who is going to help now and in the future. 
okay? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's not going to make any sense if you're going to turn around and trade this guy that they're going to trade him for. Are they, are they just going to trade him for, for a first-round pick and a, and a prospect? No, I don't see that. Everything I've heard coming out of Montreal is that GM Marc Bergevin wants a good young center in return. And right now, there is no team out there that has a good young center that they are willing to part with. Okay, so the next best thing would be, okay, you trade him for either um, a, 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 a first-line winger, a scoring winger who at least is, is on the same level as Pacioretty but a little younger, or you bring in uh, you know, a, a quality defenseman. A, a, a guy who can play on your first or your second pairing. And even in that regard, if you're bringing in a second pairing defenseman, you better make damn sure that there is a, a, a top pick or a prospect in there uh, to make it worthwhile. So they've got to get something that helps now and in the future. That's the kind of trade I could see happening maybe this that I could see happening this summer. I shouldn't say maybe. I could see that move happening in the summertime. Again, for the reason that I stated earlier about McDonough, that this is a guy one year left on his contract, but you'd got teams who'd be more willing to make a move for him because then uh, they would have time to be able to resign him. So that I could see happening in the off season. But if he moves at the trade deadline, that would be one where I would go, Wow, I did not see that deal coming. Especially if Bergevin gets the type of return that he wants. If he got Pash ready for a good young for or good young center from somebody, yeah, that would be a move I would go, wow, did not see that. For example, I'm just going to throw it out there wild. Let's not say it's going to happen, but let's say uh, Pash ready to Toronto for William Nylander. If I saw that, I'd be like, wow, did not see that coming. And real quick, do you think there's any chance whatsoever they would? that Shea Weber would get traded? I mean, now you're talking about cap implications for many years, but I've seen that a a little bit. Uh, You you think that's possible at all? No. Um, I I think, listen, Montreal isn't looking at doing a, a, a big rebuild here. You know, because remember, last year they were the top team in the Atlantic Division. Okay, so I I think what they're looking at doing is retooling, not rebuilding. So yeah, you're going to give up a guy like Pacioretty, who's a year away from unrestricted free agency. As I said, for the type of return they want to get, I can understand that. Shea Weber, listen, if Shea Weber was healthy right now and playing. Montreal, I think, would still be in, in playoff contention. I'm not saying they would be holding a playoff berth right now, but they'd be right there among the bubble teams there for a wildcard berth. But once they lost Shea Weber to an injury back in late December, I knew right then their season was doomed. So they are not trading Shea Weber. I don't see that. Uh, not, not this year. Uh, if the team, uh, to be blunt, if they, if they suck on toast next season, well, maybe uh, Bergevin's replacement will consider it. But, uh, no, I, I don't see that, that happening this, either at the trade deadline or this summer. Mark, are you there? we got one last one for Lyle. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. now we can, thank God. I'd, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to throw this thing out the window. I don't know. <laughs> live, live radio, live radio is always fun. Um, excuse me. Um, no, I think we covered everything. You got, uh, got a lot to chew on there for the Vegas hockey podcast fans. Um, and I, I got to agree with you. The, the, the one thing that you mentioned about the Vegas golden Knights is that, uh, you don't raise addition through subtraction. Well, you don't want to go through a scenario where you're, you subtract through addition and the, the group is so tight and, and so close and playing for each other so well right now that 
I mean, the, the kind of player, and, and I banged on this kid a lot, and, and early, I even apologized a little bit earlier in the show, but you don't bring in a player like an Evander Kane to that locker room. You don't bring in a, 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 anybody like that. And, and Neil and Perron are working so well together on that line with Perron's possession skills uh, and, and puck battle savvy along the wall and, and obviously Neil's goal-scoring ability. It, it, it's just it's just a unit that works and they've forced George McPhee's hand to the point where he he can't move them right now that you never thought you'd be in the in a scenario where uh Vegas is in the win now mode but they are and you can't you can't you know it's hard to tell the fans in Vegas uh yeah we just moved James Neal for a pick and a prospect uh, that's not gonna that's not gonna go over very well at this point. So yeah, do 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 you try and get do you try and get them in the off season if if they don't resign uh, before July first? Sure you do. Um, are you gonna give James Neal a seven year deal uh, in the off season at the you know at 31 years old? No, you're not. That's not what the George McPhee is gonna do. But for right now, um, you know maybe a, maybe a Thomas Vanek fits in, in maybe third line third line role in Vegas. Um, he's probably going to be on the move from Vancouver and Vancouver's looking way up at Vegas in the standings where I don't think the competitive, you know, the competitive balance of trading within your division would be an issue as much as getting the relief uh, from Vanek's cap hit out of Vancouver. Um, that's well, the kind actually, of Actually, Mark, I want to make ahead. it real quick and I, I, I truly want to get Lyle's opinion on this because it's about Vegas. With George McPhee, you know, going to the season, if we, you know, gave him some truth serum, George McPhee would say, well, I know I'm going to be trading these four veterans, and I'm going to be loading up on draft picks, and plus I know I'm not going to be making the playoffs, so I'm going to have a top 10 draft pick in the first round, a top 10 draft pick in the second round, okay? Well, none of that is is happening. George McPhee has his first and second he does not have a third-round pick, okay? So those are kind of those money-round picks. In addition, not only is he not going to be pick, picking in the top ten, but unless Vegas falls apart and the way the NHL does the seat, uh, seating for the draft, um, Vegas is going to be picking, I think, 27th. Even if they lost in the first round, they combined the losers together for rounds one and two. So given all those givens of what I just said, he is going to be even very beyond very protective of trading a second-round pick because he knows that he has to look at the big picture uh, in terms of the future for this team, and who knows what happens a year from now. I'm not saying they're going to fall apart, but is William Carlson going to have an – is this the true William Carlson? Is Neil and Perron going to be on this team? You know, where is the other kids he drafted last year? How close are they to the NHL? So he has to balance that. I'm not saying that means he's definitely not trading Neil and Perron. But having said that, at the same token, he's going to be very protective, I feel, of his future assets uh, at this deadline. How do you feel about that, Lyle? Oh, absolutely. I I can't disagree with that. Um, Yeah, you know, things worked out so much better, uh, you know, for, for McPhee. And and for the Golden Knights here than than anybody expected. So that that changes a, a lot of things. I mean, I'm sure the original plan, obviously going into this season, was okay. Look, we're not going to be a playoff team, but we're going to be competitive. We're going to do the best we can. We want to be a, a you know a, a team that's a hard two points to 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 get. 
And, you know, given the just how the success has been, it's, it's blown everybody away. I mean, it, it's changed things so much. I mean, now it's like, yeah, I mean, what? Do, okay, you're not trading Neil and Perron now uh, at the trade headline anymore uh, for draft picks and prospects. Um, hmm, what do we do? Do we keep them? And if so, okay, how much are they are they looking for for raises? And what kind of contracts do they want? Is this going to fit? And if not, um, okay, then we do we do we keep one? Do we trade the other? Do we trade them both? What do we look? You know, trade the rights? I I should say when that would be you know during the draft weekend uh, or the yep. final week heading into free agency. Do we trade their rights? Try and get the best return we can. Um, yeah, are, are we going to be players in the free agent market now? Or you know, do we do we look at trying to keep this magic rolling along? Uh, you know, we're already well stocked with draft picks and prospects. Do we we got lots of cap space? Do we look at uh, jumping into free agency here, making a competitive bid or two? There's a whole bunch of different scenarios that have opened up for them that I'm sure. I'm pretty sure George McPhee didn't envision when he, you know, when this season began. Yeah, so it's going to be uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how he addressed them because, you know, here's the scary thing, you know, and and I, I kind of call it scary, but you know, you'll see what I mean in a second. What are they going to do for an encore? I mean, you've already you're already the one of the top teams in the league. They could yeah, they could finish as the. As, yeah, you're breaking up how, again, Mark. Sorry. Yeah. How 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 will the fan base react? While you think mm. they have they finish the season, and let's say they lose to a Dallas or a Minnesota or really good teams in seven games in the first round by one goal, will people be mm. like, what? You know what I mean? Like, will it be such a letdown? I mean, it will be interesting. I mean, I'm not saying they have pressure going on into the playoffs, but I, I mean, it's you know almost every one of these series. Other than probably what people will say about who Nashville plays per se and who Tampa, but any other series, uh, they're gonna, everyone's going to say this series can go either way. So that mm-hmm. will be uh, something to keep an eye on. And uh, uh, I, my prediction is McPhee will sign one of them, either Neil mm-hmm. or Perron, and his preference mm-hmm. will be to re-sign Neil. I, I think he will he will pay him a really good buck. But I don't think he wants to go beyond four years. So then it's yep. going to be a Neil's. Uh, uh, you know, is, is a team out there, uh, you know, willing to go five plus years for Neil? And then you have to take into consideration that the state of Nevada has no state income tax, so Neil gets more money that way. You know, that kind of thing. So I, yep. I think that's where it kind of sits. Uh, that would be my prediction: four four years at seven million per. Uh, I, I, I would say that's high. Well, I, well, he's going to get over there. I mean, he's going to finish with what? 30, 35 goals. I mean, Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, that's the going, but but remember, you know, if, if Stamkos was willing to take less money to stay where he was, and again, in a state where there's no state tax, eh, but he got, but he got, he got an eight year deal. That's the difference. He got an eight. True. True. If you're you're talking about a four. Yeah, you're breaking up again, Mark. You, if yeah. you're Stammer was what, 25? Stamkos was what, 25, 26? Dude, right. James Neal's what, right. 30, 31? Yeah. Well, I guess the key question for Neal is if he's on the open market, getting about state income tax and all that, does he get a six-year deal? Uh, does he get six years at six, six, between six and six and a half a year? I mean, like, what would his, what would his value be? 
uh, on the open market. I, and I, yeah, honestly, I don't know. I, I feel pretty confident he, he'd get a five-year deal. But, um, yeah, Mark, we can't, we can't hear you. All right, listen, Lyle, thank you so much. Again, every, everyone can find Lyle at Spectres Hockey on Twitter and as well on the SpectresHockey.net. Thank you again, Lyle. Love to have you back uh, uh, sometime before the playoffs, and uh, we'll keep in touch and see how this crazy trade, line, trade deadline goes. Oh, definitely. Uh, thanks for having me back on, guys. And, uh, yeah, definitely uh, let's do this again. Sounds good. Thanks, Lyle. Okay, take care, guys. Okay, okay everybody. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I could barely hear you. So we're going to just end the show here. Yes, sir. Yeah, still, yeah sorry, Mark. It can't be. All right, so. Okay, so everybody, check us out next week. I promise we'll have more. Uh, well, we're going to do everything we can to get this straightened out, and we will get it straightened out. Um, we're working on different guests for next week. So, uh, uh, so I'm Chris. Uh, Mark's out there, and we're gone. We're uh, thank you for listening, and uh, see everyone next week.